welcome to Let's Talk by Sober Retail. Today I'm lucky enough to be chatting to Sober Joe, real Sober Joe on Instagram. Um, I can't wait to get talking to her. She's got so much to offer. There's so much for the sober community and she's an absolute powerhouse of sobriety. So with no further ado, let's say welcome to her. Hi there, um, welcome to my first episode of Let's Talk with Sober Retake. And today I am honoured to have Sober Joe with me today. Um, I've followed, followed you for such a long time on Instagram and you really have been a constant source of inspiration for me. Um, yeah, I mean, all the way from Jersey. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just been great to to see your progress and to see what you do, and I've followed some of your lives, and I know you do the the sober sofa, yeah, uh, which is really cool. I like that, and so I thought it'd be great to just have a quick chat and just find out a little bit more about you. So, um, thank you for coming on anyway. Thank you so much for having me. I no. feel honoured to be at the start of your podcast journey. It's really lovely to be part of this journey with you so oh, thank you um just just so we know where we are um sober dates i know you're um is it january 2019 yes right? well yes. done that's the one that's yeah. the one yeah that's amazing <laughs> isn't it i mean i mean with, with me um my sober date is the 25th of august 2020 so you're a little bit in front of me there but it just seems crazy when when I think back that my previous record of not sobriety, but to be without an alcoholic drink was four days. Yeah, mine wouldn't have been far off that in all no. honesty. No. I would have tried to do dry January and I would have said, right, I'm going to do dry January, I'd announce it to the world. Yep. And then so it'd be all over Facebook and I get like reminders of this now on Facebook every year. And then everybody would laugh. And then within four days about, I would pat myself on the back and say, well, I don't have a problem. Yes. Because I've stopped drinking for four days and people who have a problem, they can't stop drinking. They would drink every day. So therefore, why am I doing this to myself? I'll go straight back to it. But we both know that moderation and abstinence yeah. are two very different things. So what I'd proved, what you maybe proved to yourself during that time was that you could abstain, not that you can moderate. So as soon as I'd started trying to introduce moderation back in, I think with all good intention at the start, it then just went straight back to what it had been like before, you know? No, well, with with exactly the same as you. With me, I think it came back even harder because I'd proved to myself I hadn't got a problem um, mm. because people who have alcohol problems not my expression, but put it on their cornflakes in the morning. You know, it's um, it was like, well, I can't have a problem because I've I've had no alcohol for five days, and I only drink every now and then. Um, but that every now and then was more every, and mm -hmm. um, yeah. So in the end, it just got to a point where I just said, you know what, I am done with this. You know, I just and it wasn't quite that straightforward, but it was just. I don't think I can carry on how I'm carrying on. You know, it was seemed to have priority over everything. And that's the thing. I think if you don't have a problem with alcohol, you don't think about it. No. People who have a problem with alcohol yes. think about it before, think about it during, think about it afterwards. 
Yeah. And it's all consuming. And I didn't realize until going on this sober journey that other people didn't think about alcohol in that way. No, well, I, I didn't realize either. I mean, because like with, with me, it was like, right, have I got any wine at home? Have, mm. Am I getting some on the way home? Am I drinking tonight? Aren't I drinking tonight? And it ended up taking so much of my day and sort of time just thinking about it that it, it just became all sort of overpowering. It was just crazy, really. I mean, in I'm sure in I've I've read that in in Jersey it's it's quite a drinking culture, isn't it? You know, there are a lot of people who are big drinkers. I mean, not, not just Jersey, but I'm just saying because of the, it's quite a it's a small island yeah and people kind of say oh there's nothing to do kind of thing so it's known as a bunch of alcoholics clung to a rock yeah oh right okay oh yeah like that is actually what it's been known for but actually jersey is a a beautiful place oh yeah i'm sure um you know filled with lots of wholesome lovely things to do but that's the thing i think until you take a step back and start to try some of these more wholesome things. Yeah. You know, I said on the sober sofa the other day, I feel like a broken record because I'm talking about my sea swims, I'm talking about my walks, I'm talking about all of these things that you can just do that are on your doorstep in Jersey. And we're very blessed yes. to have those things. But back in the day, I wouldn't have had any gratitude for those things because I wanted to be partying. I wanted to be, you know, going... Yeah. and like and Jersey didn't really offer that in that way you know um so it is funny when you change your mindset and when you change the things that bring you joy and you start to see the simple things in life yeah and give so much I mean I I came from um a really small village and there was nothing going on and because of my age I was born in the 70s and it was a very drinking culture because we hadn't got the internet, they hadn't got mobile phones, we hadn't got anything. And so if you wanted to meet anywhere, the meeting point would be, I'll meet you at the pub at eight o'clock. Or, you know, and very early on, I seemed to follow what my parents had done and grandparents, where their social outlet was go to the working men's club and play mm-hmm. pool, have a drink, pub games, you know. And so it started at a very early age, being sort of drip fed into that, into that sort of culture and it's crazy i'm thinking back nobody ever said there are other things to do you know you can actually do other things rather than just go at the pub when you're in it though you're in it you're in it and it's you're very it. hard to yes. see past that i think that's the thing isn't it that's right um it's like when you are overwhelmed by a situation when you're in that situation you can't see any solutions you can't see options and that's the beauty of coaching, isn't it? The fact that yeah. you can actually show people the other options that are there when they just cannot find them themselves. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, there are other options here that I can find solutions in, you know? And I think when you're in drinking, it's the same. You just don't see anything else because you're so in it. You're in that kind of autopilot, yeah. Yeah. kind I'm- of using it as a crutch, using it as a way to shift. Yeah the way you're feeling whether it's to wind down or wind up kind of thing you know and I'm, I'm a big believer in that everybody wants to be a certain something like if you're good at maths you're really intelligent and you've you've 
done really well at school or university, then you're known to your friends as the one who's the clever one who went to university. Yeah, that and, was I wasn't I wasn't the the clever one. No, or was I? I, but, <laughs> I did but, go to university, but I like I definitely wasn't good at maths or anything kind of no, academic. I but was what, what I had to do is because I was painfully shy and I really was. It was like you know, like mumbling away, and you know, and we hadn't got a big social. I mean, I always say there was. There were three kids in my village and I didn't like two of them. You know, it was like, <laughs> it was, you know, and it, it was like that. So when I had no confidence, especially talking to girls and, and it was just not there. But all of a sudden I found this thing called lager. And when I drank it, it, it suddenly made me feel more confident. And then it was, it really was sort of, well, this stuff's amazing. So are you started using that and to, so to become that person the one I was then known as Ian the one who always has too much to drink I'm always the one who has that extra drink at the bar or does something stupid at the end of the night you know oh you gotta come out because Ian's coming and you wait till he's had a drink he's crazy you know and so it was quite nice to be put on that pedestal so I used to act to that all the time the clown. Yeah, the clown. Of the yeah. group. And that's, I really resonate with that. Yeah, because, because I was something then. I wasn't just. Yeah. I think when you have a lack of self-worth or you question yes. how you maybe come across to people and you want to be loved by everybody, then the clown is something that can be an easy thing to kind of go into because people like to be entertained by clowns, don't yes. they? You yeah, know, and it's only when it goes too far that then it's not yes. funny anymore. No. You know, and I was definitely caught in that identity for a very, very, very long time. I was the person who fell over off the bar stool. I don't know if you saw that picture of my bruised knees. That yes, I, posted. I saw that. Yeah. Like that would have been from falling over multiple times on a night. And I posted that photo the next day. And obviously, again, Facebook memories reminded me yes. of this. Yeah. And it was that. like a badge of honour. The way I posted it was almost like celebrating how yeah. drunk I'd got how and the fact that I could take it and look at my war wounds kind of thing. And now I just cannot believe that's that that's where I was at. And I think this is the thing, like when you have new perspective, when you have learned so much about yourself and you've grown so much, sometimes it can be hard to even recognize the person before but I'm very grateful for that person before because it got me to where I am now yeah, but... absolutely I mean because of how I was I was very shy I was very sensitive anybody would say anything and it would genuinely upset me and I if anybody else was upset I would be upset mm. and I'm thinking oh god and you know and I was struggling to be honest with all these emotions and my background my mum and dad split up when I was about 13 and my dad was very much into pub games he wasn't necessarily a massive drinker I don't actually remember seeing him really drunk but he was never there because he was always doing something so I got to try and figure it out on my own and thank goodness in the way I found alcohol because I'm, I don't know where I would have ended up but when I think back I had some good times but they're not as many as you think you, you no, and I think memory and you think that's oh, when you realize isn't it that's when you realize something has to change when the good times start becoming more and more bad. Yeah. So for me, it was blackouts. Yes. The blackouts were happening more and more often. And I was like, actually, 
if I was to do a pros and cons list here, the cons list is growing bigger and bigger and bigger. And that wasn't always the case, but it was for a very, very long time. It was a good over 10 years of me really, really abusing it um, and knowing that I needed to change. And this is the thing, when I speak to people who come on a discovery call, they'll be like, I've been hovering over your website for the last two years. Yes. Like I've wanted to make this connection, but I haven't been ready to do it. And when I think about that, I'm like, well, yeah, for a good kind of 10 years at least, I knew that I had a problem and I didn't do anything about it. Yeah, and I'll now there's so many people, isn't there, on social media and you can obviously follow people's stories and people are very open and sharing. Whereas back then, there wasn't really that, you know, it was like, have you got a problem? Go to AA. And AA is amazing and it's helped lots of people, but it's not a space that I would have felt drawn to. No. And that's why I think so many people carried on. And if you're not somebody who looks like they've got a problem so you're highly functioning you're very good at masking how you feel then nobody's rallying around you saying you need to get help they're encouraging you because they want the clown to come out they want to be entertained they want you to make them feel better about their own behavior and relationship with alcohol when you go out it means they don't look like the twat (laughs) do you know what I mean yeah absolutely I get that (laughs) I mean I've actually felt like I've been the entertainment because yeah. when I stopped, or even when I was drinking, when I thought, you know, I'm just not feeling it tonight, they're sort of waiting mm-hmm. for this person to suddenly do something or say something. And then, you know, and you realise that there are lots of friends you've got are pub friends. You know, when you stop drinking. Absolutely. They're, and they're and you know what? I went for a away. really lovely meal the other night at this beautiful restaurant and outside they've got this sculpture of a shark, okay? And it's really, really cool. And I was like, I wonder how much that costs kind of thing. And they were like, a lot of money. And somebody joked, back in the day, you would have been getting on top of that thing and riding it kind of thing, you know? And I would have, and like, this is the thing, when as soon as I ride, arrived at the restaurant, I said to my husband, I've got a compulsion to sit on that thing, but obviously I wouldn't now. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because I also respect the fact that somebody spent a lot of money, yeah. that it's not mine, that, you know, like, but back in the day, that wouldn't have made any difference. I would have been so drunk that I would have got on top of that thing and I would have thought it was hilarious and I would have been doing it for the entertainment of others as well. And I was speaking to somebody about this at another lunch. I sound like uh, a lady who lunches. Lady who lunches. That's the thing. That's you can fabulous. still go out when you you're sober. This is yeah. the brilliant thing. So Absolutely. many people are like, your life will end, but no, it can be so much better. But I was speaking to somebody who never knew me. So this group of women, actually, only one of the people at this lunch knew me when I drank. Because obviously it's been a little while now and I've got yeah. different groups and new friends and all that kind of stuff as well. And um, this person said, sometimes I wish that I could have met drunk Joe. And I was like, I know what you mean. Yeah, I know. But like now I'm telling you, this is all the best bits. Yeah, you get the 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 parts, the filtered parts. It's like you say, when you saw that shark, you have this sudden urge. You think, oh, my God, I can't wait to climb that. But then, yeah, because I'm a kid. Then this I'm a big kid. Goes, Hang on a minute. Yeah, Hang and I have ADHD. 
So like, obviously like the big kid ADHD part of me goes, oh my God, I want to swing on that shark. Yeah. <laughs> and the other people's brains don't work in that right. way all the time, but that's how mine does. Yeah. And this is the thing, the alcohol would have let me do that without yeah. thinking about the impact. Yeah, and exactly. you know, the shark is just an example, but like for lots of different things that in the past I would have done without any thought, mm. you know, even letting people down that are important to me yeah. versus the people who are enabling the party to continue kind of thing. That actually, I didn't really know. No. You know, it's surface level chat. Like the, the only thing that was bringing us together was the alcohol kind of thing. But yet somebody who I love is messaging me, trying to work out what's going on. And I would quite happily ignore that person. And that's so sad. It is. I mean, I, I can remember going to a work sort of Christmas function and I wasn't drinking. I was, it was after my sober day. And um, I remember somebody's husband who also worked for the company as his wife. They both worked for the company, different roles, but they both worked for the same company. And he was frantically looking around for her, trying to prevent her from smoking or trying, because she smoked when she was drunk. And there's I had sort of two sides of me saying, well, she is an adult. She's got to be, there are consequences for your actions. But it's just a shame because she'd, like you said, she'd blocked him out to say, right, you, this is more important than, than, than your feelings at the moment. You're going to stop me from doing this. So I need to disappear. And it was just a shame, you know. Yeah. But they exactly talk about that. it being a social thing. <clears throat> Yeah. But actually, it's the opposite. Rather than connection, it's disconnection. Because we take ourselves away, um, because we find people who can enable us to be yeah. that way. And like now I know that I was just filling a void. I was filling a hole. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have to be very mindful now of other things that do that too in my life because yes I've removed alcohol but then you know after a year of sobriety I then went you know what these social cigarettes as I've just said you know with this person these social cigarettes are they serving me no why am I doing that again it's like a nervous thing it's an anxious thing it's a um, filling the time and having a moment to get away from the big group because actually big groups are not my thing in a kind of crazy drinking atmosphere actually for me that's very very overwhelming um big groups in a very spiritual group of people where there's no alcohol and you're doing some massive meditation or dance or something absolutely is my thing because I can feel everybody's energy and I love it so you know I've learned a lot along this way where sometimes I've gone that's not my thing because in that environment, it's not. And then I've gone, well, actually, no, that rule doesn't work because when I apply it in this scenario, in this setting, it absolutely is my thing. And I think this is the thing. It's a journey of real self-discovery. And as we go on it, we just kind of let go of stuff that's not serving us, call in more of what does. It's about that constant check-in, isn't it, with ourselves and how we're feeling and um, what those themes and patterns and trends are oh when I was doing that all the time I felt amazing why did I stop doing that kind of thing it's about being curious isn't it find some of the the things you used to enjoy you could start doing back I mean what what I 
cool things is when I'm driving home or, or well, give me an example, if I'm out somewhere, uh, it could be a work function or with friends and they're having a drink. They, Cause I, I make a point of saying, look, I have no problem being around alcohol. Yeah. Don't change what you're doing because of me. Cause it, yeah. you know, please don't. And then something happens like you'll see the condensation running down the, the bar at the bottle, their bottle. And you think like this. And I think, right. Okay. I understand why I'm feeling a little bit triggered. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to, bra- I call it bracketing. I bracket that in my mind and just move it over to there. Forget about it. And then when I drive home, I get that thought back and then take the brackets off. And I say, what was going on there then? You know, what, mm-hmm. what was really, what was the thing that, that you found uncomfortable? And I sort of try and analyze what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And by doing that process, I've managed to filter out these triggers. So now mm-hmm. I can go into places where I don't, have any problem at all because i mean whether you entertain alcohol free drinks because you you have an af free lots of af bars don't you and things you go to you yeah so we create parties yeah. so we have sober session parties yeah, the next one is a boat party that yeah i saw that i was going to talk to you about that yeah yeah i mean that's great isn't it because i i was always uncomfortable being the guy at the end of the bar nursing a warm orange juice while everybody else is drinking beers and you feel you, you, it's like you might as well have a big flashing light on your head because um, it was just so awful, to be honest. But now you can go there, have a bottle of San Miguel Zero or a mocktail or whatever yeah. is your thing, and you can join in, can't you? Because, I mean, if it bothers you, nobody knows what's in your glass if you're worried about it. This is the like thing, and at these sober sessions, it's just alcohol free. So literally, it's a whole takeover. So back in 2019, at the end of my charity challenge, because that's how I got sober, was through doing charity challenge, I wanted to celebrate with everybody that had supported me in the end, because obviously the support wasn't really there at the start, but it definitely was there by the end. It's amazing. Um, And I created an alcohol-free experience for everybody to come to to celebrate. So it had the DJ. My hobby's a DJ, so that helps. Yes. So we had DJ, we Definitely. had um, all the cocktails that you say, um, fantastic uh, bubbles and beers, like a range, not just yeah. a token kind of thing. You yeah, know. not Heineken Zero on the bottom shelf. of the Exactly fridge. that. Yeah, all warm and hasn't yeah. been kind of like put in the fridge and here you go, that'll do. Um, tick the box. It was very much about the theatre, about the experience. And what I found was that the night felt like everybody had been drinking because... Yeah. And when I say that, I mean the positive part. Yes, I know what you mean. It felt like yeah. people were getting louder. They were dancing. They were. There was a real high vibration in the room and I could feel it. And it felt amazing. And I was like, I need to do this more. Like, this is something that I need to continue into the next year because there's obviously it, a want and a need for this. And it's mm. not just for people who are sober. So the people who are supporting me, some of those people are big drinkers. And they were in that bar, yeah, not drinking to honor the fact that I wasn't drinking and that yeah. this was a celebration for my journey. And they loved it. They were like, oh, I'd go to more stuff like this. Sometimes there's an expectation for me to Absolutely. be that person that we've just talked about. Yeah. And to, to take that off the table so that actually I'm not being asked, do I want to drink? Because I've seen people turn up to people's houses, especially since I've obviously been on this journey, they've seen it and they've gone, hmm, maybe there's something in this. 
and they've turned up with an alcohol-free bottle of yeah. sparkles and they've had really good intention that that's what they're going to have that evening. And within five minutes, the host has said, oh, but I got this special bottle of red wine in for us to have. That bottle, all the intention has been put aside and they've gone on to wine because the option is there. And when you yeah. are someone, as we've just mentioned before, who is caught in that kind of, oh, do I, do I not? Like you can't really make the choice for yourself because it's like a mindless habit it's and very difficult, thing that it? you're in. You can't say no. And I know that that was my camp and I see it in people now. And so to go to an event where that is not an option actually takes that completely off of the yeah. table and it's very liberating for people yeah, and I say that. Yeah. to give it a go and to try it, it's actually created some people who have become then curious about sobriety. Like, actually, that was really fun. And I really enjoyed it. And I made some real connections. And I left remembering my night. And the next morning, I woke up feeling great. <clears throat> hmm, maybe there's something in this. Maybe this is something that I can do. Or I really enjoyed the food at that event. And normally, I don't even, yeah. like, didn't, when didn't I think overeat. that. You know, didn't oh. plan my way through the buffet six times because I was drunk. Well, yeah. no, for me, it would be like the opposite. I would go, I would push my food around the plate because I was drunk and I was like, it was almost eating his cheating mentality. Yeah. Um, and I would, I would like skip the meal because I was more interested in getting drunk. Like yeah. it was almost like the meal was an inconvenience really on the evening. Um, and so now like that is such a big focus. It's like great food, real chat with people, fab yeah. drinks. I mean, I Good went music, to, you know, I went to my first sober function when I was eight months sober and it was sober day's function. Fab. And, um, I followed sober Dave, as I know your friend is sober Dave. Yeah. And, um, it was at the Jago in London, Dalston, I think it is. And, it, and, um, I was really nervous as rock sober guys were there as well. I really like those guys. They're just amazing. And I walked in there. I got there early because I'm, it's just how I am. I got there. I was nervous. I thought, well, I'll get on the train. I thought, I'll go for a walk. I got there early. And I, the only way I can describe it was rabbit in the headlamps. I just yeah. was like, what am I even doing here? You know, yeah. it's just crazy. And I, it must have been, it was full. I don't know how many it holds, but it was at least 80 people in this one room. And you know what? I had the best time. Well, I was yeah. I'd never met anybody. Um, I'd, I recognised a few people, um, like Paul Sober Harris and people like that, who who I'd seen on Instagram, I'd spoken to, and it was three hours long, and I think it was just constant. You know, when you hear that, like in a in a station, you hear that noise of conversation, don't you? That's, yeah. And it was like that buzz. all the way through. It's a buzz. Um, yeah. It's just great. I came away from there thinking, if there was any doubt that I've done the right thing, then that's just confirmed to me that I'm on the right path. You know, and it, it was and it that's the thing. I have some people who turn up and they are, how you've just described, so nervous mm. about coming. And they come along to the first one and they're riddled with nerves, but they know that they're going to have me yes. to like literally wrap my arms around them if they're comfortable with that initially, yeah. be like, it's all good. And then introduce them yeah. to some friendly faces. That's right. And then after that, they become that person. 
that's the beauty of yeah. it. Like once you've done it a few times and you feel the confidence inside of yourself, they then become the greeter, the come on, let's get a thing with the that's nervous right. person. And it's so amazing to see the shift in people when they have gone from, like you say, rabbit in the headlights. Yes, I was like really that. comfortable, really like, yeah, this is my this is my community. This is my crew kind of thing. Yeah, like, and is, I'm proud. This is my sober tribe. And it was, yeah, it was tribe. Great. um because Dave's a great host, isn't he? Anyway, you know, and he every everybody at ease when they came in and he greeted every single person and he's having photographs taken and everything else. And I say it was just from being nervous, I was really relaxed. It was it was really good because I mean my confidence has grown and it's not an arrogance either. It might it genuinely I feel more I wouldn't I wouldn't be here talking to you now if mm. before I was sober because it, it just I just couldn't have done it. And I do lives now and I do things with Richard with our sober bus we do she do in America. And um I'm talking to to all sorts of people and I just feel genuinely interested in what they're mm. who they are and let me tell me about your sober journey. You know, I want to know everything. You know, because there's things I know with you. You went to university at Leicester, is that right? I did. But Leicester's only up the road from me because I'm near Market Harbour. Wow. Okay. So, so yes, yeah, so I went to uni in Leicester. Please don't ask me anything about Leicester because, oh, well. and I'm going to be really honest about this. I don't remember much of it. No. And how sad is that? Well, I mean, but. And that's because of the drinking. Is there a like, pressure? I have a blur of there, my whole time there is there a pressure in especially in the, in the first year at university that it's it's a big drinking culture you know is, of course it, yeah. and you've just i've just left a tiny island where you know lots of people and you're going somewhere and you don't know anybody yeah and also as somebody who has sensory overload it was like sensory overload yeah. you know you're in a halls of residence there's not much chance to get time on your own. And, you know, I've discovered about myself that I'm someone who is a hermit. Like I love my alone time and I yeah. need it. It's actually, it's important for my well-being. Not everyone is like that. Like not everybody I, I, needs that. Some people are all good with the kind of the go, go, go. And um, they charge off of other people. Yeah. That's not me. I am someone who... I have the energy, I give it, and then I have to go and I have to retreat and I have to be on my own. Recharge. And I think that alco alcohol was a way of pushing through that. Um, and I would often burn out and then get very, very poorly. Um, and my ups and downs were kind of getting bigger and bigger yeah. and more extreme. And yeah, I didn't feel like there was anywhere that I could kind of get away um, it was a lot of loud music all of the time, yeah. uh, you know, the Bangra music. <laughs> and <laughs> I, yeah, I found it very overwhelming. Did that stop me from then continuing that? Like the next part of my journey was to go to London and live in London. And that was more of the same. It was working for an agency, work hard, play harder. And it was mad. The big drinking culture with huge sort of like your bosses yeah. really encouraging it I mean I remember I went on a um like a week long uh kind of challenge where basically the agencies picked who were going to work for them through this 
particular week long yeah, challenge. Cool. Okay. And part of that challenge included meeting with industry professionals. Um, it included presenting around, you know, here's a client brief and how would you go about it kind of thing, working oh, with other God. teammates. I'd melt, I think. I'll just... <laughs> so all of that stuff. But then part of the challenge genuinely was, can you go out on this corporate do, drink, and then present the next morning? Wow. So as somebody who... Because you're on the you're on these client tables, they want to see that you can be that person, that you can hold the space, that you can entertain, that you can keep going, yes. and then the next morning, you then present your solution to all of these people. And I remember because I can't stop once I start. I remember finding somebody else within the course who couldn't stop too, and that was like my partner in crime. I did a great job at hosting, being entertaining, blah, blah, blah. Left probably just at the right time, but then continued. Yeah. And me and this person, we just didn't go to bed. No. We just stayed up. And then we went straight into presenting the next day. And this is what I mean about being someone who can highly function. That didn't impact me getting the job. I got lots of offers because I'd shown myself to be somebody who could work and play hard yeah you part of the team you know oh, you I was sat hard, there. Hard. Before, before like with going up and presenting team. I was sat there with the biggest jar of orange juice like dying like yeah. hangover from hell but then I got up and I did the thing you know and I did it well and then I went off and died again afterwards yeah. um but like that was actually part of the kind of almost like an in initiation are you someone who will fit with our culture? Because our culture is that, mm. you know, and it brings me so much joy now to do lunch and learns for corporates because that was my background. You know, I then became an MD of a marketing agency years wow. later. Yeah, yeah. And I'd made that the culture, the happy hour at the end of the week where you celebrate mm. and you, you know, see how everybody's doing. Mm. That revolved around alcohol. And, you know, my final kind of, the thing that made me go, right, this is it, I can't keep going anymore, was actually a client event. It was Christmas party. And it was the final thing where I went, I didn't remember leaving. I feel absolutely rotten inside. I went into work the next morning as the MD. Yeah. And like bought everybody bacon sandwiches to try and kind of almost make a joke out of how hideous I felt. Um, and I then started to look through the receipts in my handbag in order to work out where I'd gone and then how I'd got home. Backtrack and, the evening. And again, when I look at that, I'm like, what kind of, you know, mentor was I being? And actually as a mentor within my work and I was great, but when it came to drink, it went out the window, all my values, everything that was important to me, um, you know, just completely left the building. And I think for me, that was when I realized who I want to be and who I'm being right now are not aligning, whether it was as a, you know, a boss, a leader, um, whether it was as a wife, whether it was as a sister or daughter, whatever, all of those things were actually really important 
weren't important to me when I was drinking and I realized that something had to change at that point and so to be able to go into corporates and to share yeah. my story and for them to recognize because I worked for a brewery for four years <laughs> yeah well I mean you know yeah so it was in my identity I used to joke that if you cut me in half like a stick of rock, you'd yes. see the Liberation Ale logo. Yes. Like it was so at my my root kind of thing, you know? And so to be able to share that story so that people are like, all oh, right, yeah, she she used to get on it kind of thing. Like she knows yeah. like what this is like. And then to share, and you know what? I'm going to give you a new perspective here and actually maybe be mindful when somebody comes up to you and tells you that they don't want to drink and rather than say, yeah, you'll be drinking by the Christmas party, won't you? Yeah, you Actually get stop and think about the fact that that person might have a problem. And just because they don't look like they have a problem doesn't mean that they don't. And that problem might be just after having one drink, they get crippling anxiety. It might be that once they have the one drink, they can't stop. And, you know, you're then saying, have one, but don't have many. And that's not fair because that oh. person is wired in a slightly different way. So it's about kind of bringing up these things that people maybe haven't considered or thought about before. You know, the gifts. Yeah. I would have always bought a bottle of champagne for somebody as a gift if they'd done well, because that was a gift for me in my world. Yeah, but I mean, actually, that's why I had that. when you look at it. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember one birthday, I had nine bottles of red wine because yeah. everybody just, it's a good go-to it's a quick, it's a, it's a, a quick, thoughtless, there you go, mate. grab it, there yeah. you go, the garage, the you know, here we go. And um, then I, I that, well, that was in June, and then I thought to myself, I don't know, this this is a sign, you know, look at this, this is a sign. And um, it wasn't until the August where I just, and it, funnily enough, on my last drinking day, I went for a meal with my wife, and we went to a restaurant we usually go to, it's, it's a nice place, actually. And um, we saw it's our anniversary today, which it was. And they gave us a bottle of Prosecco. And I thought, all right, OK. And I only had two glasses, you know, like small glasses. And on the way back, because I was driving, um, Wendy said to me, are you not going to go and get a bottle of wine? Because I would have had to have gone and got a bottle of wine on the way home because I was driving. So that meant it gave me an open goal to go and pick up alcohol on the way home because I'd done my bit. I was driving. And I said, no, I don't think I'm going to bother. And and I just decided then that I was going to really, really concentrate on just becoming sober. Mm. And luckily enough, and I've said this to his face, and I, I know people feel uncomfortable with, with people being praised and people hook on to certain people, but I always was led to believe, and I always thought that only celebrities were sober. You know, oh, well, they've had all the support network they've got. They've got their own personal coaches. They've got, you know, like, you know, like you know, like Brad Pitt and all the big celebrities are all sober. But then I was looking on Instagram. I thought, oh, I'll have a sober Instagram account to be accountable. And I found Sober Days account. And I, and I, I watched a few of it. I thought, who is this guy? And um, I watched it and I thought, this guy... I know he's been on television and stuff like that, but in in my mind, he's a relatively normal working person. He's a normal guy. Yeah. And he's done it. He's yeah. doing exactly what I want to do. And he he was live all the time and he was doing these 
challenges and these 24-hour ones, which you've been on, haven't you? You know, some of these 24-hour yeah, things are great. And um, that, that just gave me that constant drip feed of being accountable. It just gave me a lift. And now, Ian, you are that to other people. And this is the thing. It is a ripple effect. Yeah. And so at the beginning, it was you being inspired by his light that was shining yes. on sobriety <laughs> and showing the, the benefits and all the things that you can get from a sober lifestyle rather than sober equals boring. It was like, oh, well, no, it can equal meaningful connection it can equal health it can equal all of these great things and like now you're now sharing your yeah. experience your journey and you are doing the same and this is the thing with everything that I do I always say to myself if it helps just one person then it's worth doing so for example those um you know workplace well-being events mm -hmm. yeah if one person says to me thank you so much like that has made a massive difference it does you know I've, I've had people say to me after my boss came up to me and apologized for the fact that they keep trying to encourage me to go to the pub and have a drink that could change that person's like whole work yeah you know, experience. And that's, right. that's amazing. But if you can just help one person, then all of this is worthwhile, you know? Absolutely. And um, I just want to go back when, when you were was talking about, um, I forgot where I'm going now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I get that about, all the time, um, anyway. Do you know what I call it? What's I that? call it a brain fart. A brain fart, yeah. I get a brain fart and then I'm like, <laughs> uh, what are they talking about? Uh... <laughs> Um, what were we talking about? We're on about um, being sensitive, weren't we? And yeah. be, being overloaded by people. You know, when I used to go, I went to the pub on my birthday, which is only um, a, a couple of pieces outside in the beer garden and some AFBs. And there were loads of guys drinking. Normally, I would have just been in love that. I'd have made a conversation with them. And I just felt overwhelmed by them. And we've got relatives who live in Newcastle and they're lovely. They are really, really nice people. And they put us up. And the thing is, because I work on my own all the time and, I'm, and I, I really guard certain parts of my personality now so, and they've got to be protected. It take, when, by the time I, when I come back, it takes me two days to get over the just exhaustion of being that social. Social hangover. Yeah, it's just like, oh, God. And, the, you know, they're so lovely and it's no, no way does it reflect anything on them. It's just purely me. And so I could really relate to what you were saying earlier on. You know, and I would say to people, you know, guard your sobriety like gold in the first two or three months. You know, if someone says to you, oh, we're meeting at the pub at um, eight o'clock, you, you know, like we usually do, you're going to come. If you don't feel comfortable, don't go. Mm. You know, you can go there with every intention of not drinking. But, but in the early stages, um, I don't know what's going on outside, um, in the early stages, You've, you've got to you've got to guard it haven't you? you've got to look after it you know definitely and i and that's the thing you can have a sober hangover day like yes. i was someone who was trying to be a go 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 person all the time okay and that's not my design my design is meant to be go stop and recharge yes go stop and recharge but before I was pushing past that, I think to prove to people that I could be this go-go person, 
Um, and I was almost overcompensating by doing it in a ridiculous way, more than yeah. most people kind of thing. And yeah. um, I think a lot of the people that I work with are wired in that way too. And so the kind of the sober hangover, mm. I think is really powerful because actually before, the only time that I would stop is when I'd burn out, yeah, burn when out. I'd get ill or when I was hung over because then I couldn't do anything. So that would be my stop time. That would be my recharge time. But actually yeah. I wasn't properly recharging because I was either getting over an illness or yeah. I was, Hanging. you know, feeling physically sick, like bucket yeah. in hand yeah. kind of oh. thing, Haribo in the other one um, <laughs> on the sofa. <laughs> like, you know, what? Yeah. Um, so whereas now I can plan a sober hangover day. So I know that I've got a lot coming up, you know, there's yeah. a couple of lunches or whatever. I then book in my diary a sober hangover day and that will be a mindful time for myself. It will be maybe on the sofa. I might not even get out of my pajamas actually on that day. Oh. Um, I might watch a box set mindlessly, but in a mindful way because I'm, you know, doing it with an intention yeah, of you want to watch it. and yeah. recharging and watching. Um, or it might be, oh, I want to do some breath work or meditation or go for a walk or go, but on my own time alone to just be rather yeah. than do. And I think when you start to recognize, oh God, maybe that's what I'm like. Maybe I just don't know when to stop. And, you know, my body is like screaming at me to stop. And the only way that I'll do it is when it's enforced on me. Yes. I think that is really interesting because not everybody is designed the same way. Not everybody is the same. You know, my husband can literally have a glass of wine and leave wine in the glass. He doesn't even have to finish it. And that for me just is it just seems so alien. Bonkers. I mean, my wife no. is saying she'd have a she'd have a glass of wine and then have a cup of tea and then forget about the bottle of wines even out there. Yes. And three days later she'll just tip it down the sink because she's oh I forgot about that. And I'm thinking yeah. how? 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 Yeah, how but that's the thing, it's you it? more like this. And yes. people who are listening might not be able to see what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm basically doing my hand and it's just going straight. It's not going up and yeah, well, down. I mean, actually, she she is quite up and down. Okay. You know, but, but she just, alcohol just isn't her thing. Okay, fair you know, enough. You know, she, she's, you know, she manages to, 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 you know, to have all different channels that she does creative things, like she does mm. pottery and things. So, so she's, she's discovered those other ways yes. of releasing. And this is the thing, I think, if you've never discovered that, that an alcohol has been this ah, in the yeah. way that you described earlier Elevation. on, you know, where ah, you yeah. kind of saw the line when, yay, this is the answer. This is my crutch kind of thing. You know, this is going to help me through life. Um, then you don't even get the opportunity to discover those other things because mm. that's become your way. Whereas it sounds like your wife has actually like found those things before, yeah. which is brilliant. Yeah. Whereas with my husband, he is just that, straight um he surfs that's his yeah. thing that's his addiction like I joked with him that there should be like a surfing addicts group because literally he is obsessed like but it's a healthy addiction to that's have right. you know yeah, and this absolutely. is the thing um but it still can get in the way of life sometimes because it's yeah, the well, most important thing you know and it's asking yeah. ourselves isn't it is this serving me or not yeah, I mean, we need to, to, to wrap this up and let you go soon. But with <laughs> certainly with with my 
I've been like Ian's hobby of the week, you know, one minute it's photography, then it's something else and it's cycling, then it's all these things. And I describe myself as a magnet and I'm just a magnet. And there's just different iron filings out there. I'll scrape off the alcohol ones there over there and it could be sweets, you know, or sugar. Yeah. All of a sudden I've covered it. I'm covered in those iron filings. So I have to yeah. work on those and it could be something else. So, but now I'm much more relaxed about the whole life my whole life is i think right you know where before i'd have to do something it's got to be done now i want it to do it's got to be done right now i think yeah but that can wait because this is more important prioritizing things and i'm you know it's just nice as when i talk to people that i'm much more as much more thought goes into what i say to them you know because i'm actually thinking about it as a filter there and i'm taking in i'm i'm you know i'm actually listening to them from my sort of well from their frame of reference if you like so I'm looking mm. at them from there and sobriety's just given me so much which was always there but I never realized it it just needed to remove something absolutely it's like an excavation it's an unconditioning it's an unlearning you know and you're yeah. getting to back to who you are before or who you were before society added all of these things and all of these kind of you know, this is who you are. Like, so before society told you that you were the entertainer, the clown kind of thing, yeah. you know, there was an Ian who was sensitive and Sorry. who um, actually needed to just choose when they wanted to get involved in certain things rather than feeling that they had to get involved in everything. And the way to do that was by numbing out the senses and, yeah. you know, making yourself feel more comfortable. Actually, if we were all you know, taught how to go through that discomfort and how to become comfortable being uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> and to, like you say, like then actually look at, why did that make me feel that way? Okay, like I remember in my first three months of sobriety, I went on a Hindu and on this Hindu, it was in Croatia and everybody was hammered. I was on like, with all my uni girlfriends who were like the ladettes, okay, because I was a oh. ladette. And um, I just felt so uncomfortable in one of the places that we went to because the only reason that they were there was because they'd got to that point in the evening where it was all about alcohol and there were free shots being served. And we went in and it, the environment was hideous. The yeah. music was terrible. Like there was not one thing about this place that made me want to be in it. And I think this is the thing, you then are able to go, well, that's just not somewhere that I want to be. And that's not an environment I want to be in. Whereas in the past, I would have got drunk in order to tolerate that, in order that's to right. tolerate the shit chat, let's just be frank, you know, that people yeah. are giving you because they have got to that point where they're drunk and actually they're repeating themselves over and over again. And it's got to that point. So I think like you just become able to really look at, well, what is bringing me joy? What makes me happy? Who makes me happy? You know, and rather than looking for validation in everything and everyone, you're able to then start to validate yourself. And I think that is the most incredible thing when you're able to get to that point where you're like, I am enough. Yes. I am worthy. Mm. Um, I am love. I mean, it takes a bit of time to get to this point. You know, it takes work and... Oh, yeah. Um, you know, being mindful and being loving and forgiving yourself 
but it is the most incredible journey isn't it and it's so it worth I mean, it that's a whole nother podcast isn't it, it because, is. um, you know <laughs> I when, like when... talk to you for days by the way and <laughs> no. for anybody who's listening this is literally the first time that we've ever met isn't it it is yeah it's... definitely i feel like i've so... known you for, for ages i know people often say that don't they especially yeah people say to you on many occasions i feel like you've you've known each other for a long time but with with the the, the feelings as you say coming to just being relaxed in your own feelings and being able to just, I mean, it's taken me a long time to, to work on things. I have a few hangups and I've had some great chats with people who have really helped me. You know, how long are you going to wait for that bus to arrive? You know, you're at the wrong bus stop. It's never going to get here. It's only you who's going to, you know, who is affecting, try to do that. And um, there's just so many people out there who can, you can help I mean, especially yourself i mean i've wrote a couple of things down here i mean where do i start you've got your your coaching don't you your yeah. coaching which is you can, you can contact you for a discovery call and yeah see so what's going on. You want to tell that's me been the most amazing that. thing in like from my sober journey so i've blogged about my year mm -hmm. my charity challenge raising money for charity i raised over fifteen thousand yeah, pounds for charity that. which that's is amazing just, bonkers and I think it's because people were betting against me at the start rather me, which made me more determined yes. but as a result of blogging I had lots of people where I lived in Jersey where I live in Jersey come up to me and say can I go for a coffee with you can we go for a walk will you share more about your story I really resonate with it and I loved it so much but what I found was that I was then going away feeling quite heavy with what they told me because I hadn't learned the skill of handing it back. And it is the yes. most incredible thing. Like I really, really encourage everybody that's listening to learn basic coaching skills for themselves, you know, and it may be through a coach that you learn those yes. skills, but it's just around being able to kind of hand things back. It's amazing to be able to actively yeah. listen and to support somebody is so incredible. And I hadn't, had those skills before Very important, and doing that process just made me go do you know what I've got a successful marketing career here but I just love helping people so much I was always the person at a party where people would tell me their whole life and then yes. they would go I don't know why I just told you that yeah. uh, I've never told anybody that and like you know and that's why we're connecting in the way that we are today because we're both those open yeah. energies and we both feel comfortable sharing and connecting in the way that we are and I think that's the thing when you have that skill and I didn't even know that that was a skill that I possessed really I hadn't thought about it as you know something that's very magical um until doing my coaching certification so I did like a year-long coaching certification mm -hmm. and at the end of it I was like my gosh, this is what I want to do. Like, this is what brings me so much joy. Uh, it doesn't feel like a job for me. It feels um, like I'm really, really giving something back that I've learned. And, um, you know, was I making more money or whatever, doing what I was doing before? Yes, but that's not what it's about anymore. It's about, oh. for me, like living a life where I'm helping others to discover themselves and to reconnect with themselves. And yeah, it's just the most incredible thing. And I never ever would have imagined that this is where my life would have gone, you know? And I think that's the brilliant thing about sobriety too, is it just opens up 
so many new doors, so many new opportunities, things that you never would have even imagined, you know? I mean, I'm, so, I'm the same. Yeah. With, with, I, I did a, a foundation counselling course, which was really, really good. And, um There was, you know, saying about frame of reference. If you're going to look at something, go into somebody else's frame of reference. Mm -hmm. There's a saying which made me laugh. He says, it's, it's no problem walking in somebody else's footsteps, walking in their shoes. Just mm -hmm. make sure you keep your socks on because you've got to get back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you, I'm, I'm not sure whether you have, um, it, but I mean, with me, when I speak to people about the problems they've got and I, I try to um, help in any way I can, signpost them to other people, but mm -hmm. every now and then I've got certain friends who I can go to and say, you know, I, I suppose in counselling world, you call it supervision, wouldn't you? Where you'd have to go to somebody and say, right, now I need to tell you about not their business, but just offload what may be bothering you, especially if people are experiencing things that you've experienced firsthand. I mean, I don't tell them that, but when, because I'm frightened that I might be advising them to do what I did and it might not, it's not going to work for them, but it's, it, when you get back, you think, oh, that was a tough one. You know, you think. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the thing. And I think that's the beauty of coaching because it is different, I think, to counselling and therapy and anywhere that you're kind of going backwards. You're very much looking at where the person is now looking at where they want to get to and you like build a bridge in partnership with that person to move forward so it is constantly giving back you know yes. to the person and without having learned that skill I think I would have been very yes. much like taking on everybody's stuff and as an empath and I think you mentioned that you're an empath yes, too, you know you can easily take on yeah. that energy and what I do find about a lot of the work that I do is it's very positive it's very um, kind of almost like aspirational. And I wanted to create something that was the thing that I hadn't found for myself, you know? So yeah. it's colorful, it's yeah. fun. It's, it's fun, yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> it's really it's beautiful that I loved and that have really supported and helped me. I do a lot of visualization. I do a lot of EFT tapping in the work that I do. Have you heard of that before? No, I haven't, no. So that's emotional freedom technique. And there's certain spots on on your body that you oh, use right. to pack through it's really really interesting worth checking out and oh, it's, well, yeah so you can kind of say to somebody at the beginning and you can use it for all sorts of stuff like you could use it to give a boost of energy you could use it for anxiety and you say so how anxious are you feeling on a scale of one to ten right now and the person might say eight let's say mm -hmm. and then they go through this tapping routine and by the end of it they'll be at a four so it's like measurable you can really yeah feel the difference in that person um so I use um EFT lots of meditation and um oracle card readings oh wow um I don't know if you've seen that on the sofa sofa at all the oracle oh I haven't card. no yeah so it's very spiritual and um and I through sharing these things a lot of people then use these things as their own tools journaling is a huge one so I've created um, a beautiful journal that people use um, and it really helps people to just reflect on how they are feeling you know and through just taking that time and creating that ritual and that space for yourself it's really really important so I think after coaching a lot of people around sobriety it then gave me the the same things are coming up all of the time here yeah. um, and that's where I created my 12-week program as a way of guiding people through 
the same you stuff. You see a but, pattern, can't you? You see a pattern yeah. emerging. You think, well, hang on a minute. We could we could put that together. I mean, um, someone said to me a little while ago, and I I sort of managed to get my head around it. But they said the difference between coaching and counselling. Let's get this right. He said coaching is from counselling. Sorry, it's from the inside out. And coaching is from the outside in. That's what he said. Okay, interesting. So, so counseling yeah. is from your inside out, and with with coaching, it's what you what you're saying outside in to into them. And mm. I, I sort of visualised that. That's the only way I could. I thought. Yeah, yeah I think well, there's probably a little things. mix of those. Yeah, I'm sure there. there's a bit of. A, and I'm, and I'm sure that depending on the coach as well and their style yeah. too. Obviously, yeah. that would make a difference too. But like. Yeah, it's just, it's such an honour to be on somebody's journey with them. And what tends to happen is I'll coach people around sobriety and then they love the process so much and so much of their life has changed in a different way that they're like, right, I now want to look at this other thing. And it, I love coaching people on other things, not just sobriety too. Yes. Like obviously that's something I'm passionate about, yeah. but it's more challenging for me as a coach as well when it's around something else do you know what I mean yeah, so absolutely. um it's you great. know coaching around confidence in presenting or you know I've just been coaching somebody around a skating competition that they're doing I don't know how to do skating but I don't need to know how to do no. skating because it's around getting the person to step into their power you know and yeah it's just it's so cool like there's mm. moments where I could just pinch myself and I'm like I can't believe that this is my job and this is what I'm doing, you know, and it's, it's really, 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 really cool. No, I mean, so... I, as I say, I've, I feel very relaxed talking to you today and I've, I've, I've wish you every success, you know, because you deserve it. I mean, as I say, with your boat parties that come in, yeah, that's coming up, isn't it, in July? That's coming up. That's at the beginning of July. And then we've yeah. got a walk and talk tomorrow. So oh, yeah. we try and do like a monthly walk and talk yeah. for people in Jersey. Um, so that it's free as well, so that actually yeah, anyone can get involved with these different events. Um, and then twice a year, so a summer party and yeah. a winter party, which is you know a bit more of an investment because there's always yeah. like a meal and stuff like that yeah. going on. And then there's normally some little events which aren't such a big of investment where no. there's maybe not food involved, it's just kind of like a pop-up in a bar. Yeah. Um, and then, I also host some meditations, which is really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. So no, I've, I've mainly a women's circle, actually, yeah. that I've been doing. So um, when I went to Bali, I learned this thing called Osho Kundalini meditation. And you're like, um, okay. <laughs> oh, <right>. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, Osho is a spiritual leader, and he believed that um, often people struggle to kind of meditate. I don't know if you into that camp or not but, so. okay too... so this might actually be something that you mm. might want to try actually yeah, but sure. so um people can struggle to meditate if they're like their body and their mind isn't kind of connected okay mm. so when you're just concentrating on trying to close your mind down but you're not doing the same with your body like it can be quite uncomfortable to just sit there and yeah. then that is when you kind of feel that like you can't yeah, sort of sit around and yeah and like a bit about, of discomfort yeah. and stuff so um, I loved this medita meditation. So it's an hour long, which sounds like a long time, but it's split into two halves. So the first half is active. Yeah. And the second half is rest. So you have 15 minutes of shaking, which might again sound like what? Um, but the shaking isn't like forced. Yeah. 
it's like there's shaky music and again i can share the playlist with you afterwards if you Brilliant. want to try it yeah now. yeah i'd like that um but yeah so you you hear the music and you are very much you start off quite still and then you just slowly let the shake inside your body build up and what that does is it releases lots of trapped emotion maybe trauma stuff that's been stuck in your body that might have been manifesting itself as pain and so you give this release and then the next 15 minutes is then flow and you dance, but you're not the dancer. So this isn't about looking good when you're doing it. This is about just like really going for it. So imagine the drunk person on the dance floor who yeah. doesn't give a fuck. Like it's That's that, me. you know, but without the alcohol. So yeah. it's just going for it, really letting it flow. And as you do that, your energy is moving upwards. And so any of the stuff that's just been released gets transferred to bliss and you can kind of feel this blissful feeling. And it might feel awkward because you're not used to doing something like this. It might feel a bit uncomfortable, but you kind of push through that because that's your ego trying to stop you. Yes. You know, so you then get to the point where when you sit down and again, there's music to accompany this next 15 minutes where you feel like actually you could sit down kind of thing because you've like almost released the stuff that kind of stops yeah. you from being able to sit. And then the final 15 minutes is laying down and that's got no music. There's just a bell at the end. And by that point in this process, normally I can feel yawns coming out. Mm. I can feel like maybe some tears rolling. It's not me crying as such. No. It's just like a release of stuff. And you, I feel very, very, very blissful. So having done this, I was like, I want to do this with people. Like, I'm really benefiting from this and I want to share this with others. And I didn't know anybody who was doing it in Jersey. So I decided to create a women's circle where it starts with that. Yeah. It then goes into journaling. It then goes into sharing. And it's been incredible. Like people have turned up having no idea. A bit like you when you looked at me like, yeah. what? what? <laughs> and they're like, I'm open to it because you know, I know that you're gonna be hosting it. And so I trust that it will be something that will be interesting. And mm. um, so they've but become I'm... very open-minded and they've understood that everybody in that room, there's no judgment. So this isn't about judging ourselves or others around us. And it's been beautiful to see what's come up for people and they've kind of gone, God, I didn't even know that I needed that release. And they've had a good cry as a result of it. They've let out kind of, you know, what they want to let go of. They've called in what they want to call in mm. to the next month. And there's been this beautiful sharing and like people come as strangers and leave as friends because awesome. they've had this very vulnerable, intimate moment with this group of people, a shared experience. And yeah, it's really, really cool. Like it's at just, the time I was like, safe hey, space, do something it? with this? Yeah, it's a safe space. Yeah, it's a safe space where you can relax and you're not being judged by anybody. Um, exactly. That's what I'm trying to do with my um, so sober support group. Um, I, I have put it on my Instagram feed, but I'm not going to advertise it anymore out. Yeah. Because I want people there who genuinely are looking for support rather than people yeah. just posting inspirational posts or, you know, which yeah. is fine, but it's not, yeah, I don't yeah. want it to be like that. And, you know, and it, I want it to be a safe space so people know. I mean, people say nothing leaves this group, but I'll, you know, I monitor that and, you know, I'm really keen on things like that because people, some people aren't ready to share. For me, it was the best thing I ever did because yeah. it made me accountable. 
rather than thinking that it gave me it made it so I can't back out now because I've told yeah. my dad and told my yeah. everybody you know accountability is so powerful Absolutely, and this yeah. is the thing pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone that was uncomfortable for me because mm. it was going to be all eyes on me yes. to give this guidance um, a lot of people think that I'm this very 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 confident person but actually that's through me continually pushing myself outside of my comfort zone like I actually had a serious fear of presenting and I've slowly worked on that fear you know being in front of a camera where there's a screen and you're on the yeah. other side is one thing but having an audience of people watching you is a very different thing and again it's yeah. that energy that can be quite overpowering for some people who are highly sensitive yeah and so doing this particular event was me again pushing myself outside of my comfort zone to do something which I felt called to do and it felt so amazing and this is the thing I think sometimes we keep ourselves small and yeah. we don't allow ourselves to really push ourselves to the point where then we've grown like you know the thought of you being a very shy person I can't even believe that because really? you know well I do believe it obviously because yeah, I know the journey I've been on yeah but like you are just like this like beacon of light and extremely approachable and obviously you've reached out to me yeah. and you. you know and you're doing this thing you're doing a podcast and that is amazing and yeah. you know it just takes that first thing doesn't it for you I'm, to then go oh, I'm, great, I'm great at self-sabotage that's my problem. yeah I'll throw myself under the bus because I think what if it goes wrong mm, what if people yeah. laugh? what if people say what 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 are you doing you know I mean I, I've had a lot again coming back from my childhood is where uh, if I say something to my son who's not doing something maybe the right right way I'll say to him you know listen mate well um, you're doing great but why don't you have a have a you know, if this is another option, why don't we have a look at doing it this way? You might find it a little bit easier. You know, the end result's probably the same, but just where my mum would have gone, what are you doing that for? Mm. No, it would have been an instant, you know, mm -hmm. and they were so harsh. I, was I hear like you. Your kid, you know, yeah. and um, it was very, very harsh. Yeah. I mean, we're all guilty of speaking to ourselves in a way which you just wouldn't speak to somebody else like that. But I think in the seventies or the early eighties with my parents, they would speak to me how it, well, they weren't horrible, wasn't abusive, but they're just so, they wouldn't take into account anybody's feelings. You know, they no. were charge. And this is the thing, that voice, we kind of have to ask ourselves, is that my inner critic? Is it a parent? Is it a victim? Like, where is that voice coming from? And I get the same. So I sometimes hear my parents, Voice. I hear my parents and yeah. it's often telling me to be quiet it's often telling me that I'm too much because that was the message and they weren't trying to do it in a horrible way I know that but it was because I'm a very different energy to them so from their perspective they were like be quiet stop yeah. being so much you know you're breaking this it was a lot of negative um, stuff it wasn't a lot of positive reinforcement about who I was as a person and you take that on with you and I think it's so powerful when you can start to let that go you know I remember having a conversation and I know we need to wrap this up because we could talk forever but like I remember having a conversation with somebody and I was sharing my story and this was somebody that I didn't know very well and it wasn't in a work capacity mm -hmm. somebody just a new friend and I'm sharing with her and I'm really animated and I'm really getting into it. 
And I'm aware that this person is quite shy and more introverted, but I'm going for it. And then this voice comes in my head and it's like, you're too much. Stop yeah. being too much for I her. Totally relate to that. Like that poor, that poor person on the other side of like, you know, receiving this kind of thing. What are you doing? And instead of reeling myself it, like, you know what I mean? Like reacting to the voice and letting it run the show. I was aware that it was there. I ignored it and I continued being me. And at the end, instead of her kind of, you know, trying to get away from me, which is what the voice was telling me that she would do as a reaction, she leaned further in and was like, thank you so much. Like I've absolutely loved hearing your story. Like I know I was meant to meet you. And it was like the opposite reaction. And I basically shared with this person because I thought she would actually appreciate the share, um, the voice and what the voice had said to me and how it had told me that she was going to react kind of thing. And she, her mind was blown. She could not believe that that was going on. That narrative was going on in my head whilst I was sharing in the way that I was as well. Yeah. Like we sometimes just believe that the person who's nervous in the corner, like they're the person who's got that kind of voice going on. But actually it can be the most confident person in the room or seemingly confident person in the room that is battling these, you know, these thoughts, these beliefs. Um, but the more that you're able to override those thoughts and kind of say, no, I appreciate that you're trying to help me, but it's not helping and you're not serving me and I'm going to do what's right for me, the, the easier it gets to kind of get rid of them, you know? So, yeah. I mean, just, isn't that um, amazing? That inner voice, which you've probably heard from other people, you realize yeah. just because, and I'll we'll wrap this up by saying, just because they're your parents, it doesn't mean they're right. No. And, and, you know, and like I said, it wasn't out of a bad place that no, they, no, I didn't mean they, that. they were just, doing the best yeah. that they could do with what the tools and the resources that they had. And I think when you can start to see everybody from that different perspective and you know you're where you're at, they're where they're at, and you can just be really proud and accept where you're at and be grateful for it. It is the most amazing it is. thing, it's, isn't it? It's, it's being in control. I had someone the other day in, in my team who was very angry about something and he said, have you got a second? I went, yeah, of course I have. And um, they came up to me and they were both barrels. And I just stood there and normally my instant reaction, especially when I was drinking, would have been retaliation, you know, even mm -hmm. though it's not acceptable. And I just was quietly said, is everything all right are you okay and they weren't okay it was something mm. was going on in their life which was the main thing was this and of course with work it was just a frustration coming out and we had a really good chat and nobody got cross and they left quite but normally i'm just saying being sober being able to just take that step back and think right there's something else going on here yeah and it was great it was a great feeling that's really amazing that's so good and I bet they really appreciated yes I'm being a counselor at work most of the time because he's yeah. got their things but um I'm reading a great book at the moment and it, it um it's how to bring counseling into into your daily life and it tells you when to and when not to mm. and or advises you and it's really good because I've used it most I've used it for is for not counseling people yeah so it's to say well I'm sure you'll work it out I'm sure everything will be all right in the end. You stick with it rather, yeah. than, rather than 
getting into the stuff. So, no, it's been really amazing. I could speak to you for another hour. Quite you too. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so lovely to meet so, you. Thank, thank you, you so much for thinking of me. And no, it's um, made. I'm really pleased you could spare the time just to come on and speak to little old me. Of course. No, it's been brilliant. And I'm really looking forward to listening to your podcast in the future yep. too. It will be on. And thank you. Lovely. Thank you thank very you. much. See you soon. Take care. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Sober Retake and Sober Joe on my first episode of Let's Talk. Um, we will be going live in the next couple of weeks. So if anybody's got any questions they'd like to ask Joe, then please feel free. Um, we will post it on Instagram just to let you know when it is. Um, I'd just like to thank Joe so much for being my first guest. She's absolutely amazing. And I said on the intro, a powerhouse of sobriety. Thank you very much, and I shall be on again soon. Thank you. Bye.